Wellspring podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. My name is Jenny Nipper, and I think I've met most of you in here at least one time uh, at Wellspring. We, we, uh, there are lots of I travel around seeing my children and uh, all over the place, and you travel, and so sometimes when I come back, I never know exactly who I've met, um, and so I'm just glad that we're here together today. Um, I have not given a message for a long time. I, I used to do it on a semi-regular basis some years ago prior to COVID, uh, in part as a growth process for myself just to share what God was teaching me. It was a, it was a good exercise for me. And uh, during COVID, um, I am a school principal. I am the principal of the Rifle Middle School over in Rifle. And during COVID school, as I like to call it, um, there were a lot of things going on in my life, not just at work, but also in my personal life that caused me to say to Dave, please take me off the speaking schedule. Um, I'm going to start my timer. I do like to attend to time because I happen to be an educator and I know a lot about the attention span of children and adults or lack thereof. So, um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and um, I also know that we are kind of a ragtag bunch today in, in a fair bit of uh, disheveled pain, I would say, venture to say. Uh, last week when Marilyn got up here to do the announcements, I thought, wow, her voice sounds like mind us today and uh and I thought she must have been pretty sick and then this week um I was feeling a little weird I thought it was allergies and then come Thursday I thought I've got a full-blown cold and I don't want to cancel um and funny enough this message of all the ones that I couldn't do when I told Dave I'll get back on the speaking schedule and so he got out the calendar I was like I can't do that I can't do that and I can't do that so since January this has been my assigned day. You see what I'm saying? It's kind of interesting because um, all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to. And so um, I just find it, it's always true when um, I tell God I'm going to be obedient that uh, his enemy is always right there to say, well, I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I'm thankful for this church. I've been at Wellspring for quite a while and um I am thankful for Dave and Marilyn and their faithful service and how Dave and Marilyn feed us the word and how they just represent the love of Jesus with uh, not a lot of pomp and circumstance, just uh, stripped away down to the bare bones of we want to be like Jesus in this world. I'm so thankful for them. And I'm thankful for all that serve here. I'm particularly thankful for our worship team because I know what it is to have to get up and deliver every day, even if you don't feel like it. I can guarantee there's been times um, when the people who do this, I'm sure, don't feel like doing it. And I mean, Kenny facing surgery, there's so much going on in their lives. Um, and I'm thankful for the fellowship that we have. I know a little bit about um, some of the people have told me that their situation today, whether it's their back or their lungs or their, I mean, we, we've got some stuff going on, but we all made it here today. So we must be meant to meet here today. And Vicki, I'm very glad you used the words. Um, you In their prayer, you said it will be because we have met with you, God, and that's going to come up today. 
So I'd just like to pray for a minute because I am very concerned about the amount of medication I've taken in the last five days, and I want to pray that God will uh, sort it all out. Father God, you are in us by your Holy Spirit, the Helper. You are among us, and Jesus is at your right hand advocating for us and the whole of humanity because you do not want spiritual death and separation from you for any person you have made. And we come to you today and we stand here between the enemy and this church and we say he needs to be gone. We shut him out. We lay aside the lies that uh, he tries to speak to us and we invite your truth. We know that we have it. Deliver your message to us today, Lord. Amen. Well, here's a question. What if exactly everything you prayed for in the last seven days came to pass? Exactly what you have prayed for this week. Right. I mean, I think that it is for some of us like a woohoo. And uh, if you're like me, sometimes in some weeks it would be like a whoa. Uh-oh. Right? A few years ago, I became very convicted and contemplative about my lack of prayer. You're probably, you probably all have this under control. I'm sure it's just me, but I really had to start thinking about my lack of dedication to prayer. And in fact, what I discovered when I started thinking about it was I actually, technically speaking, I do believe that I had even a lack of ability to pray. In fact, um, I was, it was very easy, and it's very easy to say, I'll pray for you. I'm praying for you. I have got the prayer emoji right here on my phone. I can tap that anytime, any day. You know what I'm talking about? The question that God started asking me or he started picking away at is, really? Are you really praying for those people? What is prayer really mean to you, Jenny? And I wonder if anyone here like me, I know that we have some prayer warriors in this church and I am trying to engage in this battle. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit about what has God taught, what God has taught me since I started asking the question, why pray? You've heard this, you know, if God knows everything, why pray? If God is sovereign, why pray? Do my prayers really matter all that much? Why pray? Isn't God going to do what he wants anyway? Can my prayers actually change things? Can God's will on earth be frustrated or not accomplished if I don't pray? Anybody ever ask those questions? It's probably just me. Um, and one answer to why pray is the simple one, because he tells us to. And 
in the last few years, I'm grateful to God for introducing me to a man named Dutch Sheets who wrote a book called Intercessory Prayer. You see, I don't really have a lot of issues with saying, uh, talking to God in this way, thank you for these blessings. Um, a kind of a vague, I pray that you would, I don't know, worship, I can worship. I can pray in vague terms, but I really did not know what it meant to intercede, and I wanted to know. So I have borrowed liberally from Dutch's book uh, for this message, and um, it's interesting because the answer to why prayer is necessary is found in God's original plan when he created Adam. Usually when we talk about prayer, we go to the New Testament and we say, well, Jesus prayed and he taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven. And, um, but I want to tell this story. The name Adam means man or human being. We know that, right? In Genesis 1, 26, 28, I know this won't be a revelation. Then God said, let us make man in our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit image according to, the, to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And then God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them, and God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, I am used to interpreting that verse in terms of, okay, Adam's the first man, and we're like God, and we were supposed to do something that he created us for. Adam represents all of us, and what God intended for Adam he intended for the entire human race, okay? So in Psalm 8, 3 and 6, 3 through 6, we read, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor you made them rulers over the works of your hands, and you put everything under their feet. The Hebrew word mashal, translated rule, in verse 6 indicates that Adam, and eventually his descendants, was God's manager here. God's steward, his governor Adam was a go-between. He was representing God. He was a representative of God made in his image on the earth. So what does it mean to be God's representative? The dictionary defines representation as to present again. A representative is one who represents the will of another. So as in Adam, as in us, we re 
present the will of God. The Hebrew word dem, I don't know if I'm saying it right, demuth, translated likeness in Genesis 1.26 comes from the root word dama, meaning to compare. So Adam was very much like God. In Psalm 8, the definition of the Hebrew word kabod, which is translated glory back there when we said um, that uh, you crown them with glory and honor, um, the translation of glory literally means heavy or weighty, which is linked to the concept of authority. So Adam was made to represent God on the earth with authority. What does that have to do with prayer? Well, what did Adam do with the authority? What did he do? He gave it away. He gave it away. Adam was created to be God's representative. But God still gave him the freedom to choose. I don't know about you, but I still have difficulty comprehending this all the time. Like, if there's going to be a God, why does he let us do what we do? But there's something in his image that cannot be disconnected from love as freedom. And Adam chose Okay, so then Adam was created to be God's representative. He gave away the authority and then God sent the last Adam or Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 15, 21 and 22, we read, For since death came through a man... The resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ we will all be made alive. And moving to verse 45, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. What does that have to do with prayer? So Christ came to represent God on earth. He became the intercessor, the mediator, the go-between, representing God to humanity. So hear this clearly and let it sink in because this is what I learned in the last couple of years that I didn't know before. And I'm a little embarrassed for as long as I've been a believer since I was 15 years old. I was taken to church by some uh, friends, uh, a friend I had, her family took me to church and I've been a Christian for probably 41 years. Don't do the math. Yep. Um, and hear this clearly. So complete. And final was God's decision to do things on earth through human beings that it cost God the incarnation to regain 
what Adam gave away in his freedom. God became part of the human race. Though God is sovereign and all-powerful, listen to this, the Bible clearly tells us that he limited himself concerning the affairs of the earth to working through human beings. That is stunning. That makes me breathless and speechless. In Romans 5, For as the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many, nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and, um, and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Jesus went between mankind and God to perform the work of reconciling us to God. So here's our part. To intercede means to go or pass between, to act between two parties with a view to reconcile those who differ. The concept of intercession can be summarized as mediating, going between, pleading for another, representing one party to another. Think legal situations. Jesus went between God and humanity, reconciling us to the Father, and between Satan and humanity, breaking Satan's hold. This is the redemptive work of intercession, and it is complete. Where is Jesus right now? He is interceding for us. In Romans 8, Jesus is at the right hand of God, and he is interceding for us. And he's interceding for your neighbors. And he's interceding for all the people that irritate you. And he's interceding for your family members. He is interceding. He is able to save completely those who come to God through him. He is advocating, First John tells us. So here's the crux that I had to come to grips with. Why pray? Here is the, is the truth. Because God chose from the time of the creation to work on earth through humans. Are you a human? He wants to work through you not independent of them. He wouldn't have gotten this whole show started with Adam and Eve if that was his choice. He always has, and he always will, even at the cost of becoming one. 
He became human, though God is sovereign and all-powerful. Scripture clearly tells us that he's limited himself to working on the earth through human beings. Intercessory prayer is an extension of the ministry of Jesus through his body, the church, whereby we mediate through God, between God and humanity for the purpose of reconciling the world to him or between Satan and humanity for the purpose of enforcing the victory of Calvary. It all met there on the cross. Our authority comes because we are sent ones. There's no question. You are representing Jesus. Our prayers of intercession are always and only an extension of the work of Jesus' intercession. Our calling and function is not to replace God, but to release him through our prayers. The Hebrew word for intercession is paga, means to meet, to meet. It creates a meeting. Intercession is not a prayer you pray, but something you do through prayer. Listen to this. When Jesus went to the cross, mercy met judgment. Righteousness met sin. Light met darkness. Humility met pride. Love met hate. And life met death. And life and love one. That's where they met. A cursed one on a tree met the curse that originated from the tree. The sting of death met the antidote of resurrection. Why pray? The purpose for us to meet God with in prayers of intercession is to affect another meeting, a reconciliation. We meet with God, asking him to meet with someone else. We become the go-between. Our meeting with the enemy is to undo a meeting, a breaking or a severing from the evil one and his lies. We, through prayers of intercession, meet the powers of darkness and forcing the victory Christ accomplished when he met them on the cross in his work of intercession. Why pray? Because for Jesus, the way we usher in the kingdom of God on earth is through prayer. Who Ever believes in me, Jesus said, will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I, Jesus, am going to the Father. And where is he? 
He's at the Father's right hand. He's interceding. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for, do you know what it says? Anything. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. And you know what? I'm ashamed. I am ashamed of how little I have asked for. I'm trying to make up for it with the breath I have left. Why pray? In Ephesians, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, stand. I ask you this, are the days evil? Oh, so evil. And when I think, I sit here right now, and if I were to stop talking, we would just hear the quiet. What is going on where we can't see right now. What's going on right now? War. War is going on, and God wants to work through you and me, through our prayers. Jack Hayford said, prayer is essentially... A partnership of the redeemed child of God working hand in hand with God towards the realization of his redemptive purposes on earth. Now, I, I want that. I do. You do. I know we want this, and, and we're pretty good in the day-to-day and that's not good enough. We must begin to intercede in prayer for our world as though their lives depended on it, like we have never done before, and I'm going to tell you why. So I've told you the story of how Dutch Sheets has convinced me through his book and looking at the word why pray? Why pray? Because God started the whole human race. He made us as his representatives. He gave us freedom to choose. Every single one of us gets it. Every single person in the history of humanity and all the humans that will live get to choose spiritual life or spiritual death. We all get to choose. And so now I'm going to tell you why this is so heavy on my heart. If you have lived through the last couple of years, I'm sure that you have been privy or said yourself to someone in some really just awful situation. Maybe it was the most recent shooting at the bank or the mall, or you may have said, heard someone say, I'm certain 
What is going on in our world? What has happened? God told us. He has given us his revelation in the Bible. And here's what he said. He has already taken care of Satan. And he is letting him have a time on the earth. The battle is already won. And he's going to wrap this up at some point. And how many of you believe that that point is hurtling towards us faster than it's ever been? I do. I don't know in the concept of time whether it's next month. Sometimes I do go over to the corner of my office and just wonder if he's coming on the clouds when the day is hard. But he has told us what this is about. The devil is amping up his game because he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants spiritual death. And part of what he has called me here to do to date is to call us to pray for the kids of our nation, not just our community, the kids. Because I am a school administrator in public school, and I have a front row seat to the destruction of kids, to the lies to the lies that lead to death and violence and suicide. And here's the thing. A couple years ago, many years ago, I was sitting there. um, I'm 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 gonna beg off that one and go a different direction. So what people often say to me is kids these days, Kids, and and you might have said it yourself, I get it, right? I'm asking you today to replace it with this thought. Yes, there's an age of accountability and God knows every single heart, but replace it with this. It is shameful what the adults have allowed to happen in this country with technology, with social media. It is shameful and they have a lot to be accountable for when our Lord comes back. Jesus made it no mistake that he welcomed children to come to him. And what is keeping them from him? The lies, the destruction that Satan is wreaking. I talk with kids all the time and I say stuff like this. How many of you have a cell phone? I'm talking eight-year-olds. How many of you have a cell phone? How many of you have Snapchat? How many of you have Facebook? How many of you have this? How many of you that? How many of you know that you're not supposed to have it until you're 13 years old? Who's enforcing that? No one. No one. When you are tempted to say kids these days, please replace it with, oh, Lord, I plead, I plead for these children who are being led down a path of destruction by the grown-ups. The grown-ups. Maybe not us, but we know the kids didn't make it. And I want to invite you to pray for some things specifically 
And here's what I would like to ask you to pray for. When we go in between, um, I picture, like when I pray, we pray at my school at 710 on Monday mornings. Any believing staff who wants to pray, we get in a room and we pray. And when we do that prayer, I often just, I just for some reason in my mind, I have a hill and there's kind of a cliff and there's, you know, kind of the light of God. And, and I pray, I picture myself coming uh, up the hill and I'm, I'm taking all of them with me, all the kids with me. And I have that picture in my mind and we pray for these things. And I'm going to invite you to pray for these things. We pray that Every single student who goes through our school will have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. That they will have a moment when they say in their anxiety, in their depression, are you there, God? Because we know that's all it takes, right? We pray that anything that is planned in secret whether violence or plans for suicide, we will find out before death can come. Will you please pray that? Will you pray this so much so that we start hearing and seeing stories on the news that tell how someone was planning to kill people and they were thwarted? Can we intercede in that way? Can we stand between and say, no, no. Can we intercede for our Christian kids and just pray for their strength? Can we pray for the demise of the people who are profiteering on the destruction of kids. The creators of these algorithms and these technologies, can we pray for their demise? Tear them down. In spiritual warfare, we tear down the ideologies that set themselves up as gods, like AI. Artificial intelligence is among us, and I'm going to tell you a secret maybe you haven't realized. God is not surprised. He is not up going there, and he's not up there going, I didn't see this one coming. He is not, and he needs us. He needs us standing in that gap, calling on him on behalf of the children of our nation more than ever. And do you know why in part he needs that? Because the children have a job to do. There is going to be an uprising before the Lord comes back and it is going to be our youth. When God made the first man and he put that beating heart in him, when these children who are born today, they get the same beating heart. Do not let this world convince you that for some reason the children who are born today have a lesser heart than the heart that God meant them to have because every life is ordained by him. Every life is precious to him and he wants to raise our youth 
up to stand. We may be dead and gone, but our intercession is timeless. Okay? I want to read one story that really, of all the things I read in Dutch's book, convicted me. Now, I am certainly not the Bible scholar that Dave is, and I am, um, well, that's just a simple statement. I'm not the Bible scholar that Dave is, or Shorty, Marilyn. And um, I know that they're studying Revelation, and I'm sure that there is there are probably books written on this passage in Revelation. I'm just going to tell you how God used it in my life. I'm going to read right from the book. As we intercede, the scriptures indicate that our prayers accumulate. There are bowls in heaven in which our prayers are stored. Not one bowl for all of them, but bowls. We don't know how many, but I think maybe it's likely that each of us has our own bowl in heaven. I don't know if it's literal or symbolic. I don't know either. It doesn't matter. The principle is still the same. God has something in which he stores our prayers for use at the proper time. Revelation 5.8 says, And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, having each one a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And another angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden censer, and much incense was given to him that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and he filled it with the fire of the altar and he threw it to the earth and there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. According to these verses, either when he knows the, it is the right time to do something or when our prayer has accumulated enough to get the job done, he releases power. He takes the bowl and he mixes it with fire from the altar. I want you to picture this. He takes the same fire that fell on Sinai, the same fire that burned the sacrifice, consuming the rocks and the water and everything else when Elijah was on the mountain, the same fire that fell at Pentecost, the same fire that destroys his enemies, the very fire of Almighty God, and he mixes your bowl of prayers with his fire. Then he pours it out on the earth. Lightning starts to flash. Thunder crashes. The earth quakes. Something happens in the realm of the spirit that affects the natural realm. I was sitting in the chair in my house and I read this story and before me there became an image of a small bowl. And I looked in it and there wasn't much. And I said, God, when I get to heaven, my prayers for these kids are going to be in my bowl. And I'm inviting you to engage 
in going between God and the children of this world and praying against all that has set itself up to drag our children into destruction. Pray that our youth groups will grow. Pray that our churches will be filled up because people are so desperate that they need him so much and that they will bring their children to hear the word. Pray that the algorithms will just that they will begin to feed kids things that they're not supposed to see. And I mean things that say, God is there. I'll let the band come up, and I'm going to pray for us. I cannot even understand how you chose to limit yourself to working with us, Lord but you most certainly have communicated that you want us. But you don't just want us, Lord. You clearly want life for every single human being who wants to choose life. And Lord, today we want to enter a new time in our life as a church in which we pray all the more life-giving prayers on behalf of, in particular, the youth of our community and of our nation and of our world. Because you have not limited uh, your good heart, your work that you want to do to those of us who are over the age of 50. <laughs> you are gonna use these kids, Lord, Tear down the walls, tear it down, Lord, and let these kids rise up. I pray for the, kid in, the kids in my school that I know are believers. I pray for the kids in our nation's schools who are believers, Lord. Strengthen them to bring their friends to know you. Lord, we love you. We're so thankful for redemption. We don't want to give away our authority, Lord. We stand right here in between humanity who does not know you, and we bring them to the foot of your cross to introduce them to your grace that has triumphed over the devil and over death. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who is at your right hand, interceding for us. You know us and our voice because Jesus is there with you, telling you that we belong to you because we've placed our faith in him. It is in his name we pray. And all the people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will lift up my heart.